Welcome to episode 85 of Coffee Pods and Mods, sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness-focused drink to support performance, and also kindly sponsored by Ollie Clothing, a brand dedicated to helping you in your pursuit of success. They make products that support all active endeavors and create content that adds clarity and convenience to the self-development process. Um, BirdboxCoachingDevelopment.com will help develop a coach in a personal sense through self-discovery while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching, and you can use the code PODS in all caps for 20% off that course. And the gymnastics course is a CrossFit preferred course, also offering 20% off for our listeners if you drop them an email with pods and subject line and your preferred course date and then sort you out. There's a website, coffeepodsandwads.com, um, a YouTube channel with extra bits um, and video episodes. There's a Patreon if you'd like to support the show and a weekly email and you can get them all uh, through the link in my bio on Instagram or else through the website, coffeepodsandwads.com. Um, today's episode is a recap of the year 2020. Uh, with Chase Ingram and Bill Grundler from Get With The Programming. Uh, we talk about the Open, sanctionals, COVID, Rogue Invitational, the games, postponements, cancellations, and we have some laughs as well. Um, so Happy New Year, and enjoy, listen, share, and tag. So thank you very much for doing this. So we've got two two of the most familiar voices in the sport to uh, unpack and repackage 2020 <laughs> um and we're gonna so bill mentioned off mic or on mic but off record um that there's a shit ton of stuff <laughs> to cover and when he saw the list he was like so this is gonna be like an eight-hour podcast um <laughs> I'll, I'll, i just know how me and chase are we could make you know what color is the sky we can make that a three-hour podcast so you gotta you gotta be careful with who you have here <laughs> so i as as uh as politely as possible i'll move things along if I feel like, okay, we're on topic one and we're already three hours in. Yeah, um, you gotta get the hooks in on Bill. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> it's all me, totally. We'll you, start. You keep we'll, all your soapboxes back, though. Keep all your soapboxes back. Let's chase my hop up on three of them. So. Um, we'll start off with, uh, so like back, I'm including like the open in, in the year because I mean, it was the longest year ever for the athletes. So we might as well get involved in the action. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we had the open in october uh of last year and then after the open then we had like filthy 150 here in ireland dubai panda land brazil argentina strength and depth mayhem classic norwegian crossfit championships and then after that i guess everything started really hitting the shit really hits fan after that but of those uh the open filthy dubai china brazil argentina london mayhem and norway what I was curious, we'll start with you, Bill. What were your standout moments of those events? Um, honestly, I think that the open, the way that the open went down, because we had two that year and it was really, really confusing, I think, for a lot of athletes, because it's like, how how are you supposed to organize your training? How are you supposed to figure out when to peak and how to peak? You know, before it used to be that you didn't, have to peak for the open we just knew that the open was an opportunity but then now all of a sudden it was like you know with all the different with all the different sanctions that were coming out it was like okay how is this going to play in and we just did an open before that what was it five months five months before that or six months before that so um i know for me that second open was really difficult um, and, and I don't mean as an athlete I just mean as a like as a as an affiliate owner as the coach um, it was a very odd it was a very odd time because it was really hard to rally people around 
that since they just did it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting, but, you know, trying to, trying to keep that positive out- outlook, um, with that. But then the, as we got into the, the sanction events, um, it was really, I mean, you know, talking about Justin Medeiros, the fact that he made it all, you know, they the did so well in the games and stuff like that. The seeing him kind of come, I don't want to say kind of, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but seeing him do so well, um, in his sanctional, and I like I've seen him kind of grow a little bit just, you know, locally out here in California. So I've been able to kind of watch what he's been able to do, uh, but see the way he was able to have some success there. And I think it kind of really gave everyone the idea of like, okay, with 900 sanctional events that are on the calendar now, you know, we're going to get all kinds of different people. And mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the, the initial start of that. Um, you know, I, I've, well, I say the last one that I went to was the was the Wadapalooza. and Wadapalooza, even with even though that was at the very beginning of the the COVID experience with with everything, um, it was a very it was packed as always. The races were great, um, so it was really fun to see people fighting for uh, those spots. And I think that that was I mean the the first year was weird trying to figure out what the sanctions were, and then now the athletes are like, okay, I understand it. Now I understand the idea. Now I can go to these different places, of which there were a, a, you know so many of them, and really get after it. So it was really, I think for me, the standout was, I, I'm not going to say there was one individual standout, but it was really interesting to watch how the athletes were morphing what they were having to do, uh, the training that they were having to do, and then the, um, the importance of the events that they decided were going to be their their chance to, to try to take their shot at the games. Hmm. Um, I thought that was really interesting because it was completely different than any other way that they've ever had to do it and, and really, really were able to make a move rather than, you know, trying to walk on ice, you know, and slipping all over the place. Yeah. What about you, Chase? I think for what along the lines of bills, like a, a, a negative for me for the first time was the open, like having the open come back so soon off the tail end of all the crap that happened that year and previously to that. So that was tough. It was the first time I didn't enjoy competing in CrossFit, even you training. Nearly, like having to psych yourself up for it rather yep. than just be like, Oh, it's here. Brilliant. And for it's like, it was exciting. It's like, we've been training for this all year. And it was, it was, I mean, Bill said it was hard to rally. It was hard to rally myself. And when it's hard to rally yourself, it's really hard to put on like a pretend <laughs> face to get your members in. But I, I still tried because I still believed in CrossFit. I still believe that, that you know, the CrossFit games and the sport of CrossFit was something fun and we wanted to save and foster. I didn't want to see it go down by the wayside. So that was tough. That was a big negative for me is having that feeling for the first time ever since doing CrossFit. The positive was up until things shut down was all the different sanctioned events in the new locations. Did I think there should be 28? Absolutely not. I thought that was way too much. But it was really neat to see, you know, Norway's idea and where it was in, mm-hmm. in, in the, you know, South America, even the Filthy 150. I had no idea about the Filthy 150 until it happened, uh, what was it, last November? Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Like, that looked like a very amazing, fun event, yet it had been going on for, what, five, six years mm-hmm. up to that point? So that was really neat to see a lot of local flares, local favorites. Um, and, and I believe that was the the draw to sanctioned events that people like to see 
these countries and these affiliates and these new wow that's God, every time dude, that's like three in a row for you i apologize dang i'm so sorry <laughs> just, just log them in it's fine we'll take another person <laughs> cut that out right um it was neat to see the local flavors of sanctioned events seeing their own imprint on the competition so that was really cool even though i wasn't a big fan of it being spread out all over the place and too many competitions that became a fun thing for me to see it unfold even though i didn't get to do um that many bill you went to way more than i did plus way more <laughs> um but it was really cool to see that so those are the two positive one positive and one negative from from last year yeah i was saying um talking to uh, bill just before you logged on about uh you know atlas games was the one where i think there was a lot of ones where they were like pushed back and maybe postponed like i remember doing an interview in february with pd savage he's the national champ here like what a name for an athlete um <laughs> but we joked about how oh once he doesn't go to china he's fine like i remember sitting down with him and he he had actually qualified for miami and i was like why did you not go and he was like i didn't realize i qualified for it <laughs> and i was like i was like oh do you reckon you'll do any more like i was like you know once you don't go to china you'll be fine like little did we know that like what was coming down the track but like i suppose it started off with these little postponements and you know we're gonna have to see how things go and we'll push it back a little bit and then i think that at that atlas games one was where i was like right the whole year is fucked because yeah. if they waited until the very last possible moment and still had to cancel like couldn't go ahead um like it was hard to watch even just the effort that was being put in, like that was the real, that Atlas one for me, I know loads of the other scientists put in loads of work and stuff in the background because it's, it's always ongoing. But to see everyone in the venue ready to go and all wow. the stuff in the background, the banners, the advertisements, everything, and then we told, no, whip it all down, we have to go. Like it was a horrible scenario to see unfold across the year. I mean, yeah, that like that is the absolute worst you could have, at least if it was we have to shut down before we get started. It makes sense. Mm. But I, I mean, you can't. If you were to draw up a worst case scenario like that's it, everybody's here. We're all ready to go. Three, two, one. Hold up a second. Now <laughs> you got to go home, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I felt terrible for those guys because that's I know that a lot of these a lot of these individual sanctions, they. I mean, geez, you talk about labor of love. I mean, like they're trying, they try really hard to make something really special and have a really good experience for the athletes, as well as knowing that they're one of the events that gets to have that Willy Wonka gold ticket to get someone to the games. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that really goes into it. And it would, that was, man, that was hard to see. I can only imagine. I mean, like good on the guys that, that were able to stand up in front of everyone and go, Sorry guys, we gotta go. Like that's it. I mean, that takes that takes some balls. Like there, that's there's some strength there for sure. But um, that was super sad. Yeah, and then I suppose I think you know it's that thing of like uh, he's a Batman. You know, he's not the hero that we deserve, but he's the hero we need. Vice versa. Yeah, like yeah. Rogue Invitational pops up, and I think it gives everyone. Like it was exactly what was needed because like you had all these gyms closing, you had events being canceled, all the sanctions were derailed, the season was derailed, the games was up in the air. And it was just like kick after kick. And it was a, you know, obviously there's a whole clusterfuck all over the world with everything going on, but even just the sport, like 
Rogue pushes ahead, moves online. And I like, I think for me anyway, I started getting really excited when I saw like Noah Olson's parcel arrive at his house with all the gear in it and catching opening her, like put, trying to put together her box for box jumps and stuff. I was like, <laughs> oh shit, they're like, it's definitely going ahead. Yeah. Like, Chase, you were there and you were part of the team for that. How did you find being on the inside of something as it was, as momentum was starting to build? I mean, you're talking about the clusterfuck that was going on. This was also weeks after the Greg thing went down. Mm. So this was in the midst of all that. So you're talking about the perfect storm of everything wrong with the year. And then Rogue, when they when they first said they're going to pivot online, I had no idea conceptually what that would look like, especially from a viewership perspective. But once we got there, what they did was they they flew the team, the media team, into Salt Lake City. And then we're working out of this warehouse. And what they would do is they would do, they were in contact with every athlete who had a tech support person and a judge and a videographer, as well as the athletes. So you had like this four person circle within each location. And it was what, 30 athletes just about per, uh, for, for both men and the women. And watching what it took to do that, not just from the technical side, but the sacrifice that the athletes had to make to accommodate a worldwide competition online where the rules were you could have no music, you could have no fans. And if you did have people there, they couldn't cheer for you. Your coach couldn't even coach you while you're doing it. Like the rules were so strict, but everybody did it. And we've talked about this a lot on multiple different podcasts, but it's like you had people who were competing in their normal everyday time slot, right? It's like it's 10 a.m. where I am, eight where Bill is, and it's what, four in the afternoon for you? Right. Well, Cara Saunders was competing at three o'clock in the morning for two days and you know everyone else is all over the sun but they just did it for for what it was and exactly what it was it was so cool to be a part of something that we know everyone needed in the only way we could possibly do it and it was phenomenal to see and it wasn't surprising to see everyone take a step back from themselves to bring something more for other people and that includes you know what Katie and Bill did by sending equipment out, the judges out, what the athletes had to sacrifice doing in terms of timing and, and space and fun and the, everyone along just to give something to the community. And to me, that was the perfect thing we needed to be like, see this CrossFit thing that we love so dearly and are trying to save. This is the magical things that can happen when people are a part of this community and want to do things for other people. So I absolutely loved it. It was, it was really, really cool to be a part of. Yeah. I think as well, like the, you know, it would have been easy to say like, ah, do you know what? Fuck it. Like, we'll just leave it. Like it's, you know, probably not the best environment to be doing a CrossFit competition or sorry, we'll call it a functional fitness competition now. But, uh, (laughs) I think as well, I was speaking to like Rob Lawson and, uh, few other people involved with rogue and crossfit and they were like i mean if you ask someone in rogue to start doing something they will take it and like they won't run with it like they'll defy your expectations of what would be within the realms of possibility and they'll piss all over that and do way above it and i think it's exactly what they did i mean the the only issue when i was watching it was 
Pat Fellner did a pause thruster for like 25 seconds at one point where his camera just froze. <laughs> but like, I mean, considering all the logistics and everything that was going on, if that was the only blip the whole way through, like it was pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, like Bill, when you're watching that then, are you watching that thinking, okay, if the games can go ahead, what's this telling me about it? Or are you taking it as this is going to tell me nothing for July, August? No, what I what I was pleased about, I mean, obviously, just like what Chase said, it, it, it came at the perfect time. Like our community needed that hmm. badly. Um, but, you know, like they say, uh, necessity is mother of invention. And that was exactly what happened there. And it opened the doors um, for, OK, there's a lot of ways we can make this work. And I thought that that's what was really important with it. Uh, because here's a completely different way of doing a competition and it still came out just as valid, just as um, real, just as specific and important and, um, you know, to the letter as if it was a live competition. I mean, it, it, if you kind of play it in your head of, okay, if you can't have a real competition not that you would ever do it, but what would be the best way? Well, let's have everybody have their own camera and you could put all those cameras on the screen and then you could actually call that like those are the lanes. Like that that would be like, you know, this like dreamed up plan and that's exactly what happened. So now it's like and you can do anything. If you come up with an idea of let's think outside the box, let's not have any confines of what it used to look like. What can we do now? And I really think that that took that that took the lid off that box to be able to do that. So then, then at that point, it was like, okay. I mean, for the games, like they didn't need to do the games. They didn't need to do the rogue event, mm -hmm. but they made it happen. And with all of the changes, um, you know, it showed that the community was willing to accept those changes. One, um, and you could still put on an event that is going to do exactly what it needed to do, which is put put the best people, put the best athletes in the world against each other, and then find out who the fittest is. And so I I thought that it was I thought it was amazing, and I I think that it really opened up the door to okay, there isn't a set way, you know, come up with whatever you want to come up with as long as these priorities of it's fair. It's equal across the board. Um, you know, it, there's no way of getting a an advantage somehow or, or whatever. Um, then that's the very next best thing. And I, I'm starting to see now because of what Rogue did, even small events are trying to go to that same type of thing. They're not they're not being locked down to it only has to be indoor. It only has to be this way or that way. They're coming up with all kinds of creative things. And I think that's the greatest setup with that, because now that's going to open it up for anybody, anybody yeah. in, in a bunch of different situations. Chase, did you get a little rogue invitational you like invite plaque thing? No, no. <laughs> like when I, I would old. be like in contract negotiations, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck about anything. I want one of these <laughs> invitational, <laughs> like those, yeah, those little uh, invitational iron or steel yeah. cut. No, I did not. I did not get God, that. You, need, you need a better agent, man. That's what happened. Uh, <laughs> I mean, me, me and Bill have actually talked about that a lot. It's like, you know, we should probably get somebody to set things up for us <laughs> i'll do it because <laughs> to, to be fair it's like we 
just make this up as we go. Like we <laughs> <laughs> But I, I get loads of that uh where people would be like, Oh, you had such and such a person on. Like I remember I had uh Matt Chan on. Mm-hmm. And someone was talking to me afterwards. It was like, "Oh, are you going to get sent out a, a like a Matchan bar?" And I was like, "I fucking doubt it." You know, I, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And then, like, is that a thing? Can I yeah, do that? <laughs> yeah, like loads of people were like, "Oh, you had such and such a person on." I assume you're going to get loads of free whatever now. And I was like, no, "I don't think so." Like, I mean, they're doing it as a favor to me. Yeah. Like, I am literally nobody as far as they're concerned. <laughs> so then, like, I'm still waiting for the day that someone says, "Oh, do you know what?" Here's a bunch of free shit because you asked me for a favor. Like I don't yeah, think I like, that's how it works. Like, isn't that the opposite direction? It's like yeah. I should be giving them something for being you guys. So <laughs> you guys are like bigger swinging dicks, though. I'd say if you asked, <laughs> oh, you want us to do that? Well, can we have this, this, and this in return? Like, I'm sure if you had said to Rogue, yeah, I'll come down and commentate uh, in Salt Lake. You just build me a home gym in my house with Rogue. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine that? God, that would be great. Yeah, that would be so great. <laughs> With my wife and I, if we ever move, we've always we've talked about. It, I was like, wherever we go, the number one priority once you get your bathtub and closet and shower is that we need a garage that can accommodate some type of gym. And when we get that, it will be the most legit, rogued out thing this world has ever seen. <laughs> I'll probably have too much stuff in there to actually work out. It'll just. <laughs> Your warm up will be emptying the shed, emptying the garage, yeah. and all this stuff. Oh, now I'm tired. Workout's over. Put it back in. Um, obviously, away from the the actual competition at Rogue, I think everyone's favorite moments, well, mine anyway, were Hefner's trash talk and yeah. uh, Coach Mike's um, honest appraisal of Chandler's lifting. Is there is there anything that stood out for either of you? Either I suppose Chase, you maybe have more insider knowledge of stuff happening off camera, but even competitive wise, or just like it itself. The the Hepner stuff was super cool because it gave a nice light hearted banter between it's, the athletes. Because stuff I, that you don't see as well, because usually if they're at the games, they don't have the opportunity to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean. And if they do, you don't get to see it. They don't post it online. So yeah. it was really fun to see that. And it was also fun because Hebner was actually doing well. It's 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 fun to see someone in the mix also mixing it up. If he was in last place, I think it would have a different effect. Like, you know what? If you made less jokes and more pull-ups, yeah. you'd probably be doing better at the competition. But that wasn't the case for he him. He probably would have sounded a bit more bitter as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so that was really fun. Um, the, the Obviously, when you get someone like... Uh, coach B on there to analyze everyone's lifting it, especially in the way he does it because you're talking about someone who's was he a marine yeah he was yeah right? like an ex marine just tell it straight the way it is the definition <laughs> of not pulling punches yeah and, <laughs> and the thing is it's like it's to a um it's not degrading anyone's character or attacking them personally. It's like, yeah, that was a shit lift. And here's why. Like, okay, that's exactly the right assessment and answer to what just took place. So mm-hmm. that was really fun. And things outside the, like I said, it was, it was just seeing what it took and what Rogue and the media team that they work with did is people have no idea or appreciation of the immensity of the challenge at which they were given also in the time frame at which they did it we're talking about a matter of four to six weeks before they even had this idea 
And I wish people knew how impossible it was for that to actually happen the way it did. And but they all they see is the final product. Like, well, why don't the games do that? Why doesn't this people do that? Why is like, do you do you you don't know, right? And so the behind the scenes, that's the only one I would really take away from and bring to light is what the challenge was should have not been able to take in place, but they pulled it off. Hmm. What about you, Bill? Um, I think what I what I liked most about it was, I mean, it's, I, I'm it's rare, I guess, that I get to be a spectator for these types of events. I'm usually, you know, in the mix doing my thing that way. But as a spectator, the coolest element of that event was the fact that you literally could see every single athlete all the way through. So if they were last, you saw them. If they were the in in the majority of competitions, you have a like an eclipse zone. So if you're anywhere between like fourth place and sixth place, you never know where they finish. And that's why you always have people like Carrie Pierce that like you just don't see her. You don't see her finish. You don't see anything. And then all of a sudden, boom, she's on the podium. <laughs> you're like that that's sort of a scenario. Um, but in this setup, you could see every single rep of every single athlete all the way through. So I thought that that was really, really great. Um, I mean, Hepner's when you have characters like Hepner in there, that's always super fun. I mean, I, I'm glad that he was in the mix this year. I mean, you know, we, he had those couple years where he was kind of out of the mix a little bit, but um, I mean, the dude's a character, so he always brings fun to the scenario. And then when you get to have, I, I thought it was a really unique situation to be able to have coach B doing I mean, that's his specialty. And, and CrossFitters are not known to be specialists. We're really good at what we do, but we're not specialists. So when you have someone like Chandler Smith that is literally can you know carry the world on his shoulders, but the way he gets it there is only someone that has the massive strength that he has to get it there. Yeah. Like that's pretty impressive. So I, I just thought it was really, really fun. There was a lot of um a lot of honesty from the athletes and from the commentators and, and, and from the commentation that was happening. So it wasn't a, I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a show. It mm. felt like everybody was hanging out. And I think, you know, with the, with the way that it's been with like, you know, everybody doing zoom and, you know, at that time when everything was closed down, the only way you really talked to anyone anyway was on zoom or FaceTime <laughs> or whatever, that, that all of a sudden everyone was in the same room mm. um, watching what was going on. So I thought that was uh I thought that was super fun. I thought it was a really unique way to to make that work the way that it did. Yeah, I think as well, like we said at the start there with the, the backdrop of what had gone on with Glassman and his like tweets and just like all of that coming to a head. I mean, I remember I had um, Arm and Hammer on an episode and I think we released it on the Wednesday and on the Monday or Tuesday, CrossFit was sold. Yeah. And he said on the episode, I mean, people are thinking, this isn't a direct quote, but roughly, I mean, people are thinking that Greg Glassman is going to sell. He will not sell one share. <laughs> so yeah. on the Monday, I put out a screen grab of that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, this aged well over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you so, what, but, you, but, you're, but you're right, though. Question, yeah. I would have said the same thing. Totally, yeah. 100%. Like there was... Without a doubt, when it when it went down, I was like, "You gotta, you gotta be kidding me!" Hmm. Really? I was taught it was. I assumed it was like 
a fake headline and it was just like I don't want to say fake news but you know what I mean I thought I was yeah. like no this surely there's cross wires here or something because hardly he'll hardly sell the whole thing in one go it's yeah mental like I didn't think it'd be one piece of it yeah. I thought I thought Greg and and out of his character he did sell it but Greg's character up to that point would have been I'm going to burn this it's either mine or it's nobody's off. Yeah, mm. with me. Down with the ship, yeah. So it was, uh, like I said, with Eric coming in, forget the fact that someone came in to buy it. The fact that the person who did turned out to be Eric Rosa and what we've come to know about Eric, it was a miracle. All of it. All of it. Not just the fact that Greg sold it, but who he sold it to. In that time frame, again, should not have happened. It's the most un twenty twenty thing of twenty twenty, right? Totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. And even like we talked to, uh, we saw Greg at, or I'm sorry, uh, Eric at the games, and he kind of told us about how it went down. And it was so happen chance, like, huh? Well, let's just see what happens. And then all of a sudden, it happened. Like, I mean, the 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 time frame in which that went down. Uh, companies don't get sold like that you know companies don't get sold like that that fast and it just went down but what what i'm really happy with with that sell is you know on on top of all of the you know the the wanting to change you know diversity and, and wanting to look you know help with the affiliates and 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 all of the all of the issues that there were the greatest thing that i think could have happened is that a fan of crossfit owns crossfit mm-hmm. because a fan of crossfit is not going to want anything bad to happen to crossfit yeah. um and i and think a that success, was a successful fan as well oh uh, totally i mean like yeah i mean he's yeah he's a businessman you know and and this business needed that jump the business, it, the yeah. business needed the jump, and so it gave that uh, that jolt, I think, to the to the company that it needed. And I mean, I'm I'm really excited. I think, I mean, in all reality, I think that's why the whole Jillian Michaels thing came out because it was like, well, shoot, Krause yeah. is back on the train, and everybody wants to be part of CrossFit again. So shit, I better hop on there and start taking shots at it, you know, and get my yeah. 15 seconds of fame out of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think. After Rogue, then we had like the the, the games was kind of pr- seemed to be perpetually postponed. Um, where that's a good way to test my mic, perpetually postponed. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think as a fan, it was like frustrating. Now, obviously, hindsight is well, twenty twenty, but <laughs> hindsight, yeah, dude, hindsight is perfect, <laughs> right? But um, like at the time, I was like, just fucking cancel it, like. Just call yeah. it. Like, you, so how long I. are you going to do this for? Come on. Like, this is just ridiculous. Um, But I think, so like, we'll say Valner won Rogue and then he did pretty yeah. well at Miami as well. Um, Brent won Dubai. I had to double check that this was this season. I'm not like <laughs> last year. Um, Sarah won Dubai. Laura Hovart, Strength and Depth. There was like, I suppose, I, I from me watching it anyway, I was like, if there's a documentary of this year, this should be the redeemed and dominant year. This should be the ah. year. This was a year of redemption where people who are kind of had a really shit time of it last year with the cuts and everything seemed to be coming back. There was a big, seemed to be a lot of momentum building. And then 
like I think a challenge was coming from all sides because you had like the rookies like say Adam Davison and Justin Medeiros and all these people seem to be just just seemed to real clamber on to take a shot at the crown and it, it seemed like there was a huge kind of head growing on it and it was going to burst um and then I suppose everything gets postponed and it takes a bit of a hammering over the spring and summer and then I think like I said I was kind of like you know just fucking leave it like without the benefit of hindsight I assume you were both saying the same I, I, I did yeah I the for me it was I think that that would have been the one time that if CrossFit decided to cancel the games that year, there is nobody anywhere that would be like, oh, well, CrossFit's done. Like yeah. it's, it's gone. The CrossFit games is gone. Everything's gone. I don't think that would have been the case. I was, I was concerned. And this is a, this is a fan of what we do. I mean, I, I love this stuff. This is what I do. This is my livelihood and, and I love everything about it. So the last thing I would want is for, a black guy, a bad attempt, a weak ass attempt of trying to do something just to say, oh, we did it. And that's what I was worried about. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I should have known who the players were. They're not going to they're not going to put something like that together. But that's the worry, you know, and, and I didn't want that for our sport and our community. We didn't need to have another bad thing happen. Hmm. It would have been just fine. I mean, I mean again, it's if. It's supposed to be the CrossFit Games, so you're supposed to have the best athletes there. How can you have the games if you don't have athletes that are able to travel? You know, key players in the mix. Um, you know, the asterisk year, all that kind of stuff. And those, all of those fears, I think, were real. And they, I think that if they didn't do it the right way that would be more damaging than just trying to put something on just to put it on. Um, but the way they even, I mean, all of it, all the, all the postponements, all the things that were happening. But I, I, you know, Dave Castro, he's a, he's a gritty dude, you know, and the way he was able to, to, even when he was on our show, when he said that he's like, once we decided it was on, like it was on and they did exactly what they do. They, they, put together an incredible uh, presentation, an incredible competition. And even though, again, it wasn't the same as past years, I don't think at any, at any, at any rate, at any point that it didn't do the job that it was supposed to do. Hmm. You know, there were, there were people that were saying that, the, um, that they wish that certain people made it to the second stage. It's like, well, yeah, totally. It's like, oh, well, if it would have been this person, this person, and this person, it would have been great. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't qualify. Like, I mean, I, let's get back to the sports, you guys. Like, they didn't make the qualificate the qualifying cut to get to that spot. Yeah, I mean, if so, I had qualified, I would have finished fifth. There you go. Know, absolutely. <laughs> but you would have had to qual you would have had to make it to the top five. Like oh, to yeah, get to no, the top five. Been. Like, you know, again, so that's I think that there were a lot of things that that um a lot of if you stand back and you look at the big picture, what they put together, I, 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 I would have never expected it to be as good as it was. It really, and when we were there, it felt like the games. And that was a weird comment to say. You know, me and Chase said this, and to Sean all, all the time, it's like, dude, it really feels like the games. And I was like, well, you're at the games, of course it does. But it really feels like it. You know, it doesn't feel like a what if. It doesn't feel like an asterisk feels like it's supposed to and that's what i thought was so great about us we were back 
yeah i think it depends on how you're watching it as well i think like you know your your preconceptions towards something will really dictate how much you enjoy it or not like so if if you're if you're on a downer with the sport and if you're like oh fuck crossfit like and whatever and then it's on you're like oh it should have been cancelled like you'll find you will you'll find things that will piss you off about it like even the events were being announced, it was like, oh, fucking kettlebell lunges, fuck's sake. <laughs> and then it was a good, it was a fun event. And then it was like, you know, even in within that, you had stuff of like the kettlebell placing mattering more than probably anything else in the workout. Yeah. And then you had like, you know, oh, fucking trail run, of course, is a twist. And it's like, yeah, but still like, you know, people right. were giving out about the fact that, oh, it was only, technically it was only a surprise for uh, Matt and Justin. And it's like, I'd say it was a pretty fucking big surprise for people when they saw Matt and Justin coming back up the hill. Like, yeah. You know, was, yeah. Like, I think they're you surprised halfway. No. Were you surprised to see Matt Fraser running towards you again? You're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I think like, Speaking of surprise, like how surprised were you at the final five men and women that qualified? Because I suppose like it, a, a lot was told by say Morning Chalk Up did a giveaway on predict the final five and we'll give you all these prizes. And then at the end, they were like, we can't give away the prizes because nobody was close enough. Like yeah. I think it shows <laughs> how it was like, all right, okay. Like, you know, even when you saw the workouts, you were still like, well, I mean, Tim Bolson should do pretty well in that workout, and then they should do that guy should do well in the row, and then like you see the table at the end, you're like, oh nope, totally way off. The only people that made sense <laughs> are the top two, which were just gimmies anyway. Right. Welcome to sports. Yeah, I totally. I mean, sports. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I love. Like you can talk, you can analyze like at the desk all you want, mm-hmm. and when they say three, two, one, go, anyone can win at any time. Yeah. Do you that's do, what um, Do you do fantasy football? Yes. Yeah, it's we do like bad. well, I do like it's soccer, you'd call it. But <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Fantasy football, and every year I pick my team. In it starts in like August. Every year I pick my team, and I'm like, oh man, nobody stands a chance. <laughs> this is like I ha- I know I'm on max points every week. I'm gonna be and fuck my own league. I'm gonna be top of the world <laughs> with this. And then after about a week, it's like okay, damage control. What can I do? <laughs> I'm actually curious. How do they do fantasy football? Like, how um, do they? How are so the there, things scored? Or there's eleven players on the soccer team, so you get okay. uh, eleven players plus a subs bench. So you get like uh, three outfield players and a goalie on your subs bench. Okay. Um, so uh, this is all off the top of my head now. If you uh, so you pick a captain and your captain gets double points, mm-hmm. but if if your captain goes into negative score that gets doubled. So if they get sent off, oh, uh, that gets doubled as well. And then you pick a vice captain. So if your captain doesn't play, your vice becomes your captain and they get double points or whatever. Uh, your goalie gets like six points, I think, for a clean sheet if they don't concede any goals. Defenders get six points for a clean sheet and they get more points. So the strikers get, I don't know, like four points or something, I think, if they score a goal. Yeah. And if they assist a goal, they get a certain amount of points. Midfielders get more points than the strikers if they score a goal. And defenders get like a stupid amount of points if they score a goal. Um, <laughs> so what I figured out last year was you're better off picking who takes free kicks, corners, like stuff like that, because you're going to get more wow. assists. So I used to be like, right, I need to have this striker because he always scores like, you know, he'll at least score once a week. But then I realized you're better off having a midfielder that does that every two weeks because it works out at more points. 
But yeah, I always realize this stuff like afterwards. I'm like, oh, why didn't I do this like eight months ago when it started? Like, of course, the guy that's winning is right and I'm wrong. Now, next year, I'll learn my lesson. And then the next year, I'm like, right, who's my favorite team? Let's pick as many of those players as I can. Who's my second favorite team? Let's pick. <laughs> it all goes out the window. Um, but going back to 2020, so I guess like COVID fucked the earth in the a-hole. <laughs> um, and like how it affected the sport obviously but even away from that like gym owners gym goers like moving away from the competition and the sport of crossfit i suppose it's a business as well and a livelihood and a community and these are the things that like it's the reason it survived the summer really is because of the community and because of like we talked about rogue moving online but you have coaches and affiliates everywhere pivoting and changing everything that they were doing like you know renting out equipment loaning out equipment finding ways to get people a dumbbell or ask something so that they could work out so they could train like changing all their programming like even our own gym we like they rented out equipment but then had to program okay if you've got this you can do this and if you don't have that but you have this you can do this like you know endless hours of just like scratching your head trying to think like oh jesus who has what and who doesn't have anything that still needs to train and that's still paying for a service or whatever like you're both gym owners um i suppose your prevailing feelings of the year will move aside from obviously frustration like what how will you remember 2020 as a gym owner so bill if you want to start uh i you know i'll be i'll be straight up and honest with this i is is crappy as the whole covid thing is and what it's done to individuals with people losing their jobs and stuff like that like that that is obviously terrible and that affects i mean as we rely on our members to be able to pay for their membership so i mean like that there's a direct impact there <clears throat> but what i found with this year is that uh it gave me an element that a lot of other, like the big global gyms don't have. They have one plan and their plan only works that way. Where since we're a smaller gym, um, you know, boutique style type of gym, if you will, where we, we, I know my members, I know their families, I know their jobs, I know their injuries, I know their sicknesses, I know their birthdays, I know everything about them and I know how to make them better. And this allowed me to all of a sudden take a jump up because I now could pivot fast. And I, not that I'm happy that it happened, but I'm happy that I got the opportunity to be able to, to show my members as well as myself that like, I don't care what comes at me, I'm gonna figure it out and I'll be able to make it work. And I think that that was important for our members to see was that they, they now knew it, I don't just put a workout for them to do. It's I'm setting it up so that they're able to succeed and, you know, whether that was watching what other people did or how people did other things, or whatever, like we, we pivoted on it on a day, boom, one day and had a plan set out so that all of our people were going to be business as usual. And we did everything we could to make it be that way. And I think that um, our members, they were happy about that because that gave them that normality in the very unnormal time frame. Um but what I think that, you know, overall what 2020 did for me was it, it showed me that like, okay, I can make things happen and make it work if I need to make it work. 
Like I don't, I don't care what it is. I, I will make something happen. And CrossFitters kind of do that anyway. We're, we're, that's kind of our mantra is set up whatever the stupid ass workout is and we'll get through it. And that's to me, that's what this was. It was a one year ugly ass workout and we just chipped away at it. So I was, I was not happy that it happened. I was happy on what we were able to do. I was happy with my members and how they were able to handle it. You know, in our, in our little local community, I, I think that that was, that was a good thing. And, and honestly, like I, I now know I have the confidence that if something, I mean, we're already in a second shutdown and I'm not even worried. I'm not worried about what we need to do. Um, or, or are we going to be able to make it? Cause I, I know we're going to make it. Um, but it was, it's nice to be tested, and this year was a test. One gigantic <laughs> test. <laughs> yeah. might, so. might be nicer to have an easier test next time. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I would just like to have, yeah, you know, just a three, a multiple choice test would be nice. You yeah, know, not, your, a, your not a written plate. essay test. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Chase? Uh, along those same lines, what Bill was talking about is <laughs> there's a few things I've gained from it. And for me, the hard growth was a hard interperspective look at the way for one, just to be brutally honest, the way I've run the business. And I put that in quotes because I've never run the gym as a business. And that has been not an issue until Thank God you're saying that too. Cause I feel so stupid because <laughs> I'm the same way, man. I get it. Like I said, I was like, I've don't, I've never really talked about this that much, but it's like, this situation where we're probably down 40% of what our original membership was. Now I'm making some personal sacrifices to make sure none of my coaches are effective. Our, our, you know, we, our finances are taken care of. It's like, what on earth was I doing before this where I felt like I was in the same exact position I'm in now with the amount of people and, and profits that I had prior to this. So if anything COVID taught me in a positive light is that, well, the one, the negative was I was the world's worst business owner. But seeing of what we've done through this is that I was what the world's, I mean, not the world's, but what I'm saying is I was a fantastic coach and gym owner where people who could stay still stayed and those that could stay helped turn around and, and help me through this trying time. So I'm proud of the community that I've built since we opened. I'm disappointed in the way I've run the business since we've opened. And I never had, like, I've always been like, oh, why are we always having this issue and this struggle? And why are we always short with this and this, that? And it's been like that since we've opened the gym, right? It's like, how does my gym live paycheck to paycheck? How did we ever feel like that was the case when we are actually currently doing it now? So the hopefully what I'm looking forward to is that once we get past this, that the amazing things that lie ahead now with a better business sense of the way it can still run while still providing it this as or presenting it as like it's still the gym. It's still about the community. It's about the training. It's about health, fitness and, and happiness while actually making this a successful and thriving business opportunity for myself, which is the whole reason why I started this. Um, I mean, other than obviously the love and passion for CrossFit, as well as give other opportunities to other people. So that was the big thing looking in. 
And the other honest position for me is that, you know, we did the same thing as like what that bill did is that we had to shut down, we had to pivot, we had to rent equipment, and, you know, we did all these certain things in what it was seemed like a matter of days. And it was the hardest programming I've ever had to do. And for what, three months? It's like, okay, I had to program. A workout as if everyone had everything. And then one, if you had one dumbbell or kettlebell, or then one that had a body weight only, like nothing involved. And I had to do that five times a week plus something on on the weekend for three straight months. And you run out of things to do because you're so hampered by the uh, limited equipment or, or body weight stuff. So like that really challenged me in a way that I took as an opportunity but it was tough. It was some of the toughest months of programming of my CrossFit career. Getting out of that, I'm even more excited and it's more fun now that we have access and free form to do what we want to do. So there was a lot of self-reflection and, and really hard conversations of my shortcomings that I had to do over quarantine. I'd say there's a lot of that though, because even like there's certain gyms, you kind of I suppose like when a newer gym closes down, you're like, oh, that's like, it's awful. And you feel bad for everyone involved. And it's like, you know, maybe they didn't have the time to build up the kind of the accounts or they didn't have the time to build up the the community big enough, like to support it or whatever. But then when you see like some of the gyms in America that closed down that have been open 10, 12 years, and it's kind of like, I, I'm assuming it's from what you're saying there, Chase, where people were like, I love this sport. I love the this mode of fitness. I love the community. I love whatever. And then eventually a time came where their accountant was like, well, you didn't really love the business side of it very much. And that's why this <laughs> happened. Do you know, like, I think it does show like it's, it's hard not to lose what you're talking about there. Like you're saying that you don't want to lose that thing of the community and why the, the why behind it. But you also want to like, move into your new house with your new road garage like so you also want to have like a good high quality of life for you and your coaches who are working there without having to sacrifice the community like you don't want to put it out of reach of anyone who goes there but you also don't want to put anything that you want out of reach either the majority of of us that started these especially a long time ago were not business people yeah. we didn't know anything about that at all but so if you would ask we, yourself a couple of years ago, Bill, am I a TikToker? You would have said no to that. And look at you now. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 it's just so you know, before TikTok, it was called Musical.ly, and I actually had that. So I was checking things out. I was just keeping it on the down low. That's all. That's all. You know, what is that? Is it Musical.ly? That's like where you Musical.ly was what TikTok was. You mime to music and record. Yeah. Like teenage girls. But that's oh, exactly what it was. So it was the true version of what people say TikTok is now, but that's yeah. really what it was. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I remember I got that in this short little sidetrack story. I got that originally and I had, I think my daughter was 17 or 16 at the time. And I said, hey, so what's up with this Musical.ly app? And she's like, <laughs> oh, that's dumb. Nobody uses that. <laughs> and like, then uh you can imagine you, i can imagine you walking into the room so full of hope being like i've got her she, oh, she's got gonna be my one. she's gonna be my best friend after this and it's like <laughs> what's, uh, what's up with that music oh that's dumb oh, that's man. dumb dad oh crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
I think getting back to the competitive side of things then with the aromas like I mean just so many like wow moments I think just even for me as a fan watching like like I said I guess your 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 attitude going into it will decide how much you enjoy it or don't enjoy it I think I was just so ready for like having had the rogue invitational and then a long gap and then I guess the I don't want to say disappointment of stage one, but I think from what I thought it was going to be and from what I suppose, what I convinced myself it was going to be based like CrossFit didn't tell me anything as per, but (laughs) I kind of, I told myself, this is going to be another rogue invitation. This is going to be a live stream or this is going to be like the review show is going to show me all their, you know, it's going to line them all up and go through them all or whatever. And then when it didn't, I was like, oh, fuck like is that it is that are you just gonna say like this guy finished first and this guy finished second and then move on i was like where's the rest of it so i think now that's my fault like i don't blame you know anyone involved for that because i suppose i assumed and we all know what assume does but i assumed what it was going to be and i was wrong and then i was disappointed by it but i think i was just so ready for the aromas and i was so like filled with hope of like please let it be what i wanted to be like please let it be what I need it to be. And then when it was, I was just like, oh, thank fuck that this is just <laughs> that I'm not disappointed. But like, I mean, you had so many things like, okay, like Matt and Tia, just the whole thing from them. Then you had like Justin with his handstand, like the the kind of like, what is he doing? Oh my God, this is so <laughs> stupid. Oh, it worked. Like that whole <laughs> scenario. You had like, like we mentioned there, you had, the new CEO present and doing a workout, which is just bizarre and so cool to have someone so like personally involved in the sport, taking part in the sport and owning the sport. Then you have the turnaround and the run. And then I think actually a weird personal highlight for me was Matt and Tia both getting almost identical no reps on the same stage of the same workout, <laughs> which is just bizarre. Um, is, there, is there anything that stood out for either of you over because obviously you were there and you were able to see everything firsthand and maybe see see some stuff and hear some stuff that we didn't see or hear but is there anything that really you think will remain with you long term from that weekend i'll hop up i'll hop up um i think for me um yeah there were a lot of really really great moments the knee-jerk reaction would be that you want to automatically have uh the old ways be done the way it's supposed to be like that's kind of i think that's what everyone thinks is they just want it they want it they want to look exactly like it used to be they they want that old blanket and be able to pull it up and smell the same smells and all that kind of stuff um what i was most happy with was that this was the most unique year of any year of any year that it will ever be and it was pulled off amazingly um, I think uh, it wasn't it wasn't identical to what's been in the past, but it it really was. The races were great. Um, the fact that we got to see, I mean, two of the most insanely fit people ever to walk this earth, do the things that they did. I mean, it it, it is the same as watching Michael Jordan, watching 
Tiger Woods, watching Muhammad Ali, watching any of those great sport history events, it took place. And in all of those other ones, everyone still, I mean, Mike Tyson, it'd be the same thing. It was like, well, I'm not even going to watch this fight because it's going to last 30 seconds. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's boring to watch Mike fight. Yet now, if you were to look back, how much would you give to see Mike in his prime? How much would you give to see Muhammad Ali in his prime or Tiger Woods or any of the great athletes do what they do and smash all the people that they compete with live? And we got to see that. Mm -hmm. um, and on, on our end, mine and Chase's end, we got to present that to our community that needed that, you know, and needed to see the competition and needed to have that. That's, that to me is what I, I, that's what I take back from that. I mean, there were so many like little tiny little event things that, you know, Justin and Matt talking on the way back and Matt, you know, f just flooring it at the end, Haley twisting her ankle after already twisting her ankle and still being able to do what she did. Um, uh, uh, Carrie, the way she finished that last event, the, the Atalanta, I mean, like all those little tiny things were amazing, but you would, you would expect to see those great things happen at the CrossFit game. That's our world championships. But the mm -hmm. fact that it was the most unique one, and we got to be part of something that will never, ever be done again um, in that scenario, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, well, I actually, I actually don't think even if it was, you know, even with COVID, I don't think that this year's, I don't think they'll do it the same way as they did it this year. No, I no. think that they would do it different. So we did it. It was the pivot. And it was the presentation of that pivot. And, and I, I'm, that's what I take from that is that that was, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that. I'm really proud to be part of that. That's good. Um, for, so for me, uh, let's see on the, I'll do personal side and then maybe a professional side. So well, professional, we'll use that term loosely. I mean, I'm on this podcast. I was, was going to say, were you not in the boot of a car at one point? <laughs> So on a personal level, and I've, I've told the story a few times, is that being able to go to Aromas for the first time after coming into Cross in 2008 was a very special moment for me because of the history of the CrossFit Games for one, but just the history of CrossFit in general as two. I, I believe Aromas is, is woven into the fabric of what CrossFit is really what was all founded on like that all came together in this beautiful way and, and grew and flourished the way it, it had until, you know, 2019, 2020. But, um, <laughs> that was very special for me because I'd never been there. I've always watched videos and stories and talked to people and all this and whatever. And it's like, Oh, you know, it's, it, it was this whole build up to what it was. And then being able to finally step foot on the ranch in person was a very, very special moment. And it, it, I didn't overbuild it up either. You know, and you're talking like expectations can dictate the way you react to things. It was even more than I was expecting. And I was expecting a lot. So that was, that was very special for me in person just to see that. The other one was being on site with everybody that we worked with and grew up with professionally behind the scenes, directly on camera, you know, Dave and Justin Berg and all these other people that basically were disbanded after 2018. All the people we knew that really did the work to make what the games were. Mm -hmm. And you probably won't ever hear of 95% of them. But we know them on a personal level because of the profession that we're in. So to be able to sit there in this shortened, weird format, but see the right people in the right places when you thought you'd never see them again, 
Now we're super special. And the most special one for me, and I never told Bill this, but Bill originally wasn't going to be a part of the broadcast, the way things were structured. And that really bothered me on a personal level, just because you know I've worked with Bill for a long time. Obviously, we have our podcast together with Get With The Programming, but it really upset me that Bill was going to have to sit out and watch the games for the second year. And the fact that he got the nod to come back and be a part of it was one of the, I would say, top five special moments for me to be able to have him there when I know he deserved it more than anybody and to be able to work with him in the place that I never, again, thought I would ever be there myself and then to be able to do it side by side with Bill. So that was a special. That was my 10th. This was my 10th year, too. I'm the longest running CrossFit commentator. This is my 10th, my decade year. Decade of commenting. Are we just going to gloss over that from Chase? He, he, he no man, it's a, no that was. I'm not gonna he, gloss that at all. He <laughs> funny is, open and you're like, yeah, it was ten years as well. Well, <laughs> no, well, what you, what, what you guys, what he didn't see is when I got the nod, I was bouncing around like a damn little twelve year old kid, screaming, "Wee, wee! I get to play with the cool kids, yeah!" <laughs> so, no, I, you have, I mean, I, I appreciate that, dude. That, that's, that's obviously super special. I, I. Man, I couldn't, I can't tell you how happy it was. That's what I mean. Like to be part of that whole thing this year with all, with everyone that was there is unreal. It, the weird thing is, is like our group, our media team, we are a, we are a team. It's like if you get together with that college team that you had or that high school team that you were part of, I mean, we're a very eclectic group for sure. Everyone that's involved, but Everyone just is like meshed together so damn tight. It's Tanya was there too. Awesome. It's awesome. You know, Tanya Wagner was a huge surprise. So, you know, Bill's been doing it for a decade, but once we really all started to come on the scene early, like that original group being was like the four horsemen was Bill, Tanya, Sean, and then I was like the fourth wheel spare on the back. But like that was a that was a close group when we really got into it, and then we started adding amazing pieces as the years went on. Mm-hmm. But if I think about like that really core start, that's what I think about. Yeah, I think that's a bit of fault there in the time in which we desperately needed it. That was really exciting to have. That's a bit of false modesty there. I mean, even your your metaphor even fell apart where. You're the fourth wheel. The fourth wheel. I what, know. what vehicle are you driving? <laughs> we're on a we're on a trike, a trike motorcycle, and it's the fourth yeah, wheel. I was, I was the fourth wheel, but I was the spare, you know. So like it's that fourth wheel that doesn't line up. You're like this piece, this, the small tire with no hubcap on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, a, man, yeah, all integral tire, parts, yeah. man. All no, he's. I mean, he is right. I mean, it was. I, I I'm right. I was that weird wheel. <laughs> Yeah, he's no, right. I was no gonna say we're the there. team, you bonehead. God, <laughs> so funny, so funny. Um, after after the games is over, then you guys interview Castro. Um, like, do you give a shit like about who you're talking to? Because I know, like, you know, he has a reputation of like obviously he's like you know, one of the biggest names in sport because of what he does and everything. And like, if your whole podcast is centered around programming and I guess picking apart specifically his programming over the last, like whatever, 12, 13 years, and then you get him on, like, are you anyway wary of what you say or how you say it? Or are you just kind of like, 
it's Dave, it's Grant, I don't really give a shit. Like, he'll just ask me if he doesn't, like, he doesn't answer, like, at least 35% of questions he's asked anyway. He just says, like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. And then he's probably <laughs> the only person that gets away with it because it, anytime I've heard anyone, like, talking to lead, anyone interview him, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. And it's just kind of like, there's a, a three-second silence, and then it's like, okay, and they just move on. It's like that, <laughs> like, ballsy stare where he's like, no, I'm literally not going to talk about that. Move on. So, but I think when I heard that you guys are getting them on, I was like, oh, cool. This would be great. And then I was like, oh, man, I wonder how they said anything awkward on any of the episodes. And has he heard it? Because <laughs> like, you're literally saying, like, here's where he did his job really well. Here's where he fucked up. I was like, welcome to the show, Dave. Like, was there any kind of uh, a- a- apprehension about interviewing him? Uh, there's always a little bit, only out of respect for who Dave is. Mm-hmm. And, but the other part of that is that we have a good rapport with Dave. You know, we we are, I would say, as quote friends as you could be with who Dave Castro is and what he allows you to be in terms of how he views you as a friend. But Don't at the same me. time, there is a, there is a bit of nervousness because you know the, the the biggest thing for me that what I was nervous about is I wanted to make sure is that if we're going to get Dave Castro on to talk about how we developed the programming being a programming podcast that we did a good job of presenting Dave and his views in the conversation well enough that the viewers and listeners actually wanted to, to receive that information. That was more where I got nervous. It wasn't the interaction between Dave. It was the product that we have. Like to me, the most pressure I felt was announcing we're getting Dave. So this better be a good show. That's where I had the most nervousness. It wasn't actually with any interaction with Dave himself. And then, and then for us on the, I think the direction that we came at with Dave is different than the way most interviews will be with Dave when when other people interview Dave they're trying to they're trying to find out okay what how are you trying how are you trying to mess this up or what inside scoop can you give us on whatever whether it's the games or you know a certain events or whatever where we came at him it was like pottery class hey what are you gonna make hey why did you make why did you make that that uh that flamingo that color what how did you how did you come up with that like well like so what we have said on our podcast is that we see programming is that's our creative outlet that's our art so whether you're a painter or you're a a a sculptor or whatever and even david said this um he's used that metaphor so for us it gave us a chance to geek out on the numbers on the creativity part and i knew i knew we hit it right when all of a sudden Dave got real giddy mm. about like uh, it was the happy was star event. Yeah, when he yeah, wanted yeah. to talk about that, like all of a sudden he wasn't Dave Castro, director of the CrossFit game. What's the new title? Director of sport. Director of sport. Um, it wasn't that guy anymore. It was, hey, look at my picture that I drew. This is, <laughs> I wanted to draw this one comic book and then look what I came up This is what I made. Like, and he got that giddy about it. And that is, that's what we were doing. So it was that show really wasn't about us picking apart his events as of yet. We wanted him to be able to show, show us your art, man. Tell us why you did it this way. How did you come up with this? What made you pick this thing and not that thing? Why would you have, what were you trying to do with this? How did you come up with the testing of this? And I, I think that, I I mean, there was more testing that was shown to people this year than ever. And I think that that gave a very cool 
look into what Dave does and how he comes about with these events so that they aren't just haphazardly put together. And I mean, we've got, we've done all the game. We've looked at all the games and there have been events where like, what the fuck was that? Like that was that. I still don't get it. I like still, I <laughs> still don't get it, you know? Um, and there, and there will be events that, you know, that, that we talked about that we didn't necessarily individually I didn't I didn't see the need for that or I didn't I didn't like that that was in there or I didn't like how this was put in there. But again, like that's that's our subjective opinion on his art. Just like if you're to look at a Picasso and be like, well, I like the colors, but that face looks really weird. I just I don't really <laughs> like it. I don't really get it. You know, I mean, that's that's fine. Um, but then we can look at it objectively Um and see how it fits. And I mean, and I, I will say this, I mean, as much without trying to blow smoke up that guy's ass, like he is good at programming. He's good at programming competitive events that um, are trying to get a particular response. And every time we've gone through the games, for the most part, he's pretty much hit the mark. There's been a couple of testing years that you can kind of see, but uh, we're programmers. So we understand that we are, we, we will put out workouts for our gym and be like, Oh, that one was, that one was awesome. And then the next day you're like, oh shit, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board on that one because that one did not work out right. So I, I thought that was really, it was really fun to see that part of him. And I hope that when people get to see, when they listen to that or see that 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 show, that that they get that same thing. They they see that that artsy side of Dave rather than Dave, the guy that wants to drop his watch or drop the mic or drop the whatever. You know, you don't piss me off about him actually. I've said this to Chase before. I replied to some of his stories. Like, this is how I get people on. <laughs> I reply to their stories or I'll message them. And I know nine times out of 10, I know I have them if they reply. So if I get a message back, I know I'll get them on somehow. Like, Or if someone close to them writes back. He has written back to me, I'd say about 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> And he fucking never commits to coming on. <laughs> so like I was saying to Chase before, he's like, I can't tell you, like, you know, day to day, I'm just fucking hilarious. So I can't remember a specific moment, but I know he put something up and I replied with a joke and he was like, ha ha ha. And I was like, oh shit, I have him. And then he said something else. And I said something else. Ha ha. And I was like, oh, he's still laughing. This is great. Now I hit him with it. No reply. <laughs> Then that happened about 10 more times where I like three or four back and forths of like, I think I said this to you, Chase. It's like a pyramid, like a backwards pyramid of like, yeah. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> then I'll reply again. Ha, ha. Then I'll reply again. Ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll always say, I'd be like to my wife, like, holy shit, I have him. Like, he's replying again. Surely this time. It's like, oh, no, only two ha has. It's like, oh, fuck, he's down to one. And then it's like, he's he's seen it and he hasn't replied. Like, but I remember I said that to Chase and he was like, oh, yeah, that's Dave. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally him. If you can yeah. get a three out of him, that's a genuine reply. But two is a default, and then the one is a legitimate effort to not do a double ha ha. Like how how can I reply phone. but insult at the same time? Yeah, your phone would be like, do you mean ha ha? Like no, yeah, it, it auto corrects and he deletes it. <laughs> yeah, delete, delete. Find the small X with my fat finger. No, ha. I'm like that's that's when he he actually took more effort to do that one than the three. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, someday. Um, uh, moving on then. So I guess New Year's Day is the day after tomorrow when this is released. Um, ah. <laughs> so, so we'll have a new year. Obviously, yes, we're hoping for like, you know, no death and destruction and all the rest of all the, you know, obvious things that we want within the sport and the methodology of CrossFit, like under the, under everything that comes under the banner, um, with Eric at the helm, with, you know, the changes that are being made, like even just from my own standpoint, I see a lot more transparency already. I see a lot more communication already. I see positives like Brent, uh, and those guys setting up the athletes association i see like james hobart and annie and you know those guys with the the liaison athlete liaison kind of group like there's a diversity panel being created there's you know like they're they seem to be they're trying to do everything they can possibly do to fix the glaringly obvious broken bits that have been broken in the past um and like making a, a uh, an obvious effort to try and fix these things and then you've got okay it's a bit like american biased i guess but you've got like um you know the state uh reps and that yep. kind of stuff um the thing that chase went for it didn't get um but, <laughs> <laughs> i didn't like, either <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a bit it's a bit uh like that kind of stuff is a bit like you know americanized where like it, you know that hasn't really happened here as much but hopefully from hearing eric talk on talking elite and stuff they seem to be kind of rolling it out for like further um do you see 2021 Obviously, it has to be a better year. I mean, fucking out of its worst, just call it now, and we'll just skip to twenty twenty two. But like, do you do uh, like what are the what are some of the things that maybe you're hopeful for, or what are some of the things that you've heard whispers about that you think might actually come to fruition and make it a better year for the sport? So, Chase, you can start this time. Uh, the biggest thing I hope for is with all of those plans in place is patience from the community and just everyone around paying attention to what's happening across it because these things that they're trying to fix and change is like turning the titanic they're turning the wheel which is all you can ask them to do but when these things need to be put in place and then unfold in the way they want them to this is going to take some time to get it to where they want it to they don't they're not stopping at hey we're doing this they're not going to stop until it's fixed and it's a non-issue, but it will take time. So I think definitely- a, a good thing that I saw actually was when Eric was on talking elite and they were talking about bringing the adaptive athletes in to the open. I think the thing that really stood out and really gave me hope for it was when he said, now we're not going to get it right in yes. 2021. And I was like, totally. thank God he said that because otherwise you'd have every dickhead shouting oh they fucked up this part like at least he said from the get-go we know we won't get it right but this is day one of trying to which i think is really important and i think the biggest pushback from a lot of people who are not fans of crossfit or if they're in the community but don't like the stigma that comes with old hq is that the old hq was unapologetically righteous as if they could do no wrong, they can be not be told if they they did something out of order or that wasn't the right way to do it. Like they that just wasn't the way it was run. And so when you have the CEO saying we're going to screw this up, 
while trying to do it right. I love the transparency there. And my hope is that, and it won't happen, but people can look at that and be like, look, we're going to give you grace and understand is like, we're going to support you because of the steps and decisions that you are currently making and not judge you based off the outcomes that were aren't happening yet because they can't. So that's a big one I'm looking forward to 2021. And the other one would be what the new game season format is going to look like. Do you know what because it's going to look like? Well, the whispers are is that the in, you know semantics aside is like sanctioned events replace regionals, but they qualified one person. But uh, you know the, the whispers are is that the open is going to go back to the traditional filtering process to a regional-like system, whatever you want to call that qualification circuit, that's what it's going to be. And then once that circuit takes place, that will qualify a certain number of people to the CrossFit game. So you won't have this sanctioned one person, one person. It'll be like a regional system. And then to get away, and what a, a big drawback of past regionals was, if you were in a stacked region, you were totally screwed. Right. If your region had the 10 best, but they're only taking the five and you look at another region where the person who won wouldn't even get 20th in the region you're in. What I heard was they're going to create a last chance qualifying grouping where they would like, uh, for example, I, I, I'm just making this up now, but <laughs> they took the top three from every region. The next two in all of those regions would qualify for a last chance live competition of which they would take the next top three from that. So it would almost be this wild card live competition. So if you were in a stacked region, guess what? You're going to have one more opportunity against the other people who just missed this to make the CrossFit games. And then the CrossFit games will go on. That's what I've read and seen so far from what other people are putting out there. And you can, you can go find it anywhere you want to at the moment, but Whatever that system does look like, if that gets fleshed out into more reality, I'm excited about that. I've also heard they want to get a, a rid or away from the super teams where you can be at any corner of the world and qualify a team for an event and then go back to your corner of the world as opposed to oh. be that. My Coffee Pods and Wands team is false. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys are out. <laughs> so, but I don't know if they're going to. They want to go back to the affiliate team model where you had to be a part of an affiliate. You can only make your team from those training in your gym at the time at which the open begins or the, the start of the calendar year, or maybe some combination of the two, because it might be they're going to keep the super teams and qualify the games, but then maybe create a different affiliate cup on the side, like they do with the masters and teens, as well as what I would hope they would do with maybe the national champions and get them out of the game's individual team circuit and give their own side competitions at the CrossFit game. So if those happen to get fleshed out to more definitive things, that sounds like a way more exciting and easier to follow system to me. And you're assuming then uh, sanctionals in the off season opportunity to make money travel. Yes. And yeah. 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 So with an off season of some type of structured sanctioned season with the support of CrossFit versus the other way around where sanctioned events are paying fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars to save CrossFit's ass, where it should actually be the other way around. Yeah. Bill, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I I mean there's a there's a lot on the 
on the old tablet there to, to try to fix. And there have been a lot of really, really, really important and well-planned out first steps. Um, I think something that is important is that, you know, just like anything, you can only make so many changes, uh, effective changes at one time. You could have your gigantic list of 35 things that need to get fixed, but you aren't going to be able to make an effective change on 35 things at one time. So I think taking those initial first steps is important. Um, the transparency of saying like, hey, you know, we, I got listening to Eric talk about this next year. I, I got the impression that he that he knows that this year is going to be just as jacked up, not jacked up as last year. Cause last year was like some pulled the rug out, you know, the, the carpet right out from under you. But as far as like trying to juggle all the balls at one time. So he's knowing that this is going to be a, a not perfect year by any means. And the fact that he's saying that I think is, is smart on his part to let everyone know that like, Hey, nobody gets things that goes from whatever this last year was, too perfect in one year. It's impossible. So um, the the fact that he's ready to do that, uh, the fact that he's constantly still driving and he's putting people in positions to do those. It's not a one man. This is not a one man show. I mean, he is putting, you know, people in the um, in the European area, in the Latin American area. It's like I need you to take care of this. Boom, and like go run, and then he has meetings with those. Like he's, you can see the business orientation, the way he's he's structuring it. Um, it's going to work, but it's going to take some time for all of those teams to you know uh, build themselves and 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 get some. Um, momentum behind them to be able to create those changes so do i think it's going to be a a perfect year no um do i think that there's going to be a lot that's going to be switching and moving and a lot of moving parts parts pieces yeah uh but i feel that it's all going in a positive direction which is way better than the direction that is i mean the only direction it had been going previous to this was swirling downwards and I don't see that being the case this year, even if it's kind of shotgunny in a bunch of different directions. There's a lot of things that have to happen. So I'm really excited to see what the changes will be. As far as the games stuff goes, uh, you know, they've been talking about, even when the regionals were going on, they've been talking about a Grand Prix style um, event. And, and now that we have, you know, a professional athletes um, group, you know, trying to trying to take care of these athletes. And we have athletes who are going to be competing for money as they kind of go around. So you have your games track and you have your money track. I think that's exciting. I mean, it, it really broadens the scope for what these athletes are, 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 are doing and can do. Um, I think it will keep a lot of the athletes in our sport because – the way CrossFit was running, the direction that if you weren't one of the top three, five athletes, you were not making a lot of money. So you were being forced to have to find another avenue, which I think the OCR world was really starting to be very aware of that. And so they were opening up their doors. And so you're starting to see, you know, Spartan pulling a lot of these CrossFitters into doing competitions and there's money to be had there and OCR, same type of thing. So it like we were if we were continuing down that path, we would be losing a lot of our athletes to a lot of other sports. And I think that this new setup, at least on paper, the way it's, you know, 
lightly penciled to look yeah. like. Um, I think it has the ability to really keep these athletes in our in our world in our sport, um, but be able to be a professional athlete and be able to you know compete at the highest level, still make a living and you know and and set that up the right way. So I think that this year is it's a it's a springboard year for sure, and there's going to be a lot of things to fix even on the, the competitive side. But you know as long as everyone sees that we are driving in a positive direction in the right direction, I think people are going to be pretty fired up about it. I know I am. Yeah, I think as well in a nice uh, circular narrative, we're back where we started of sanctionals getting cancelled. And, you know, we talked about the work that goes into them. We talked about the the, the effort and how gut-wrenching it must be to pull the plug on something. So I think it would be a shame moving forward if there isn't an opportunity for those people that, like you think of the Loud Live series, you think of Filthy, you think of the French Throwdown, you know, all these competitions, Dubai, that have spent so long building up a reputation and like a wow factor i mean imagine if they were just like with miami just be like nah, yeah that's done now we'll move on to something else they'd be like what like what a waste yeah. so yeah. i think i i am really hopeful i think as well like the thing like a lot of people you can poo poo the sanctional season and the way that it worked and everything if you want but again it's 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 how you look at something so like i saw athletes compete that i would have never had the opportunity to see compete if it wasn't for Filthy 150 being on. And I met people that I'd never have the opportunity to meet through Filthy 150 being on in my own backyard. And I think that it made the sport more, it like highlighted the community level of the sport where you've got these people going to places. And, you know, you've got like Joshua Shama was down in Brazil. He still talks about it. Like, you know, Khan was in China, still talks about getting his ball slapped in the massage parlor. You know, there's all these <laughs> things that like, these guys have had these experiences that they would have never had if it had not been for the sanctional season. So I think, you know, yeah, it needs to change and they're, they're going to change uh, to something, but hopefully they don't lose the things that they've gained by uh, the mistake through the mistakes that they've made or through the, you know, uh, changes that people might view as mistakes. Hopefully they hold on to the character that they've earned through that. Well, and at least now there's a direction when the yeah. sanctions were set up before the direction was, okay, you guys go ahead and do your own thing. Mm. And like, that was literally all the direction they got. So it was nice that they had a lot of creativity to, you know, try to highlight their, you know, their area, their region, their, their country, whatever, you know, the, the situation was, but there was no direction. And so now that there is direction, like those people for the most part, aren't just cut out of the system they're trying to be integrated into the system, whether it's on the, the qualifying track or if it's on the money track. Um, and I, I think that that's important because you're right. They're, 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 that I've heard anyway, the majority of the athletes that have gone to these sanctional events come back with amazing experiences. And that's what the, most of the sanctioned um, operators or the directors are trying to do is they want to give their athletes a great experience so that they want to come back and give them something to remember their event by because if these big name athletes had a great time and and want to come back that's going to draw people in it's going to draw other athletes it's going to draw spectators it's going to draw sponsors so i mean I, that's definitely a, a positive thing um but none of i mean really none of those directors got any support they were mm. scrambling trying to come up with something um, and I, I think that I'm, for the most part, they all did a really, really, really good job um, with what they were dealt. 
Um, but now at least there's some direction, uh, you know, CrossFit and the sanctions, you know, more holding hands rather than give me your lunch money, you know, <laughs> you know, get, you come up with something good, you know, or we're not going to let you do it next year. You mm-hmm. know, like that, that's sort of a overlord side of type of setup. I don't, I don't see that being the case. So it should be a good year. Be exciting. Yeah. Well, that's a positive note to end on. I think so. <laughs> um, well, listen, thanks very much. Uh, I want to say as well, congratulations on your podcast. I think it's, thank you. It's a unique idea. And I think it's working out really well. And I think you're uh, you're quickly making a name for yourselves in another realm. I mean, you could have like pissed off and stayed in your own box for a while, but like if you want to come <laughs> over to, <laughs> if you want to really make a monopoly on everything, I suppose. Um, no, but I think it's great. I think it gives legitimacy to the um, to the medium as well. That you know, there's guys like Talking Elite and you guys that are you know using podcasts to um, to grow and develop the community i think as well it's great um so yeah happy christmas and happy new year and yes, as well Same to you. Yeah, who Same knows to we you. can make this an annual review of the year oh hey anytime dude i'm in, I'm in for that absolutely hopefully this is the only year that we're talking about next year's all rainbows and uniforms <laughs> fingers yeah. across man fingers across